Welcome, good morning, and let's pray. Father, once again, be with us as we study your word. Thank you for all of the Ictus family here and even the others who are joining us all over the world. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My question is this for all of us. What is God doing through the coronavirus? I'm sure it's not only me, all of us. We have been asking this. I have never seen it happen before. Just a little virus and the whole world is running away. By now, you must have learned so many things. You must have heard from the Lord so many things. But, as I said the other week, before I even answer the question, what is God doing? Let me say this. Compared to the wisdom of God, my opinion counts for nothing. And of course, that goes for you too. So what we think out of our own minds is of little significance. Human beings are so finite and sinful, and whatever comes out of my heart, your heart, my mind, your mind, your mouth, my mouth, comes out with every manner of self-justifying realization, always for our own preferences. And so it would be good to pay attention to what the prophet Isaiah said. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 22. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? Let me read the more modern version, the voice translation. It says, stop believing in human beings. As so amazing, so capable, we are short-lived, only a breath from death, and worth as much. True. Sometimes we make so much of ourselves, but compared to the wisdom of God, zero. Proverbs 28, 26 Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Again, what is God doing through this coronavirus? God has never been silent about what he is doing in this world. And that's why he gave us the Bible. He wants us to know. In Ephesians chapter 1, 8 to 9, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, God lavishes grace upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. In other words, He wants us to know whatever is in His heart. He does all this time. I will read the more modern one, God's Word. This is the translation. He poured out His kindness, 
by giving us every kind of wisdom and insight. Every kind of wisdom and insight when He revealed the mystery of His plan to us. Always. That's why He gave us a Bible. Another, before I answer that question, what is God doing, is this. God is always doing a billion things now that I do not know and you do not know and nobody knows. God is doing something in the life of millions of people in Africa, in China, in America, in Taiwan, but we don't know. Psalms 40, verse 5. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Although he wants to proclaim, but he doesn't have the capacity to know all of these things or whatever God is doing. It's just beyond us. So in the midst of this crisis, all kinds of people are giving their own kinds of opinion too. All kinds of experts, even religious experts. Theologians are now trying to contribute to what God is saying. But these are too many things sometimes. For example, in Romans 11.33, the Apostle Paul uses the word inscrutable. You know, after writing 11 chapters and it is moving toward that crescendo. And he said, oh, the death of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Then he said, wow, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Inscrutable, inscrutable. What does it mean? Well, it simply means that God is always doing more than I can see and what you can see. And even if we can see it, it is only by His grace that He allowed us to see it. And so while God may be doing a trillion things today, there are some very special things He wants us to know and He wants to reveal to us, especially in the area of suffering. This is how the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings. I mean, that's strange. How can you rejoice in suffering? But the key word is that. He said, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character, hope and hope, and on and on and on. You see, he said, knowing. So in other words, the scriptures were written so that you and I might know. Might know the things that are in the heart of God. Especially at this time, the coronavirus outbreak. I believe God wants us to know. He has a message for all of us. And so as we face this coronavirus, 
This is really hard reality. The reality of suddenly we find ourselves in our homes. The very vacation that we wanted, God gave it to us. That you want it, you got it. The retreat that we have been looking for, you got it finally. This time, even with your family, these are hard realities. These are hard realities for seniors. We can't move out. But we all know that only God and His words are the reality that we need today. The rock under our feet. So my aim this morning as we study the Word of God is to point us to that reality. To hear what God is saying. To discern. To affirm. And then I'm going to make all the connections with this coronavirus, and I am going to leave the rest to you to decide what is right. And that's how we do it here in Ictus, by the way. We keep telling our people, do not believe everything I say hook, line, and sinker. It is your duty and responsibility to study the Word of God, I mean, to study the Word of God yourself, Bring it home, discuss with your small groups, and make sure that you yourself are going to have a personal knowledge of what God is saying to you, okay? So we are going to do that. And the reason I'm saying that is because of what Jesus said about interpreting the present times. There was a time that the people were around him, and he was so indignant because They were so good in trying to interpret the weather patterns, but Jesus said, you can't even discern the divine workings of God in history. This is what he said in Luke chapter 12, 56 to 57. He said, hey, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourself what is right? So my prayer is that you will test everything I say by the Bible, and you will hold fast to what is good, okay? Now let's begin. What is God doing through the coronavirus? Number one, I believe God is simply exposing the fragility of man. Fragility meaning easily broken, easily damaged. This global crisis is teaching us so many things. If you read the book of Haggai, God is saying, I am going to shake everyone. I'm going to shake everything. I'm going to shake all the nations. You know how it is to be shaken? Everything falls off. Suddenly, so many things become of no value anymore. You are going to be stripped off your human pride, all your pretensions, all the honors and the accolades and the titles that you wanted as you face this virus. 
as you lie down at the ICU with this virus, they are of no value to you anymore. It's so easy to forget that we are so weak and frail. Let me read Psalm 103, 15 to 16. The life of mortals is like grass. It's summertime. Look at the grass now. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind, this could be now COVID-19, blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. So by this time, so many people have already died. And because of this virus, we are now better in a way of understanding how fragile human life is. A tiny organism can scare the whole world. Never in my whole life that I have seen from different segments of society, the rich and the poor, the powerful and the not so powerful, all running away, trying to do everything they can to protect themselves from this small virus. All of a sudden, the world is closed. No more malls. All of a sudden, even celebrities, oh, they have forgotten the limelight. All the glamour is gone. All they want now is to survive. The panic that we have seen has already demonstrated that man is still human, so weak and so frail in spite of all the boasting of man. So how does this lesson hit us? Maybe it's good once in a while to be reminded of Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's what we need today. Wisdom. Why? You will never know when your time is over. Think of all those frontliners that we have, our very own OFWs. They left this country with so much hope that they can earn money, send it back home, their children can have a better life. They never imagined that they will die in the line of duty as a doctor or as a nurse. It's supposed to be summertime, right? You're not supposed to be home. You are supposed to be somewhere else. Graduation time. Oh, it's vacation time. Many of you have made reservations, just like us. By the grace of God, he gathered my family for the first time, my three grandchildren, and three of my daughters are here with one son-in-law. For the first time, we were together. We were so excited. 
to have this vacation. So we planned for about 10 days. We only made half of it. Never happened. I think it's good to be reminded what James says, James chapter 4. You know, we make our own plans. We say today or tomorrow, he said, you know, you will go to this city and you will spend a year there and you will make money. But you don't know what your life will be tomorrow. You are a, a mist that will appear for a little while and then it will disappear. Wow, James was not against planning. I guess it's just we plan things apart from God. We always say our plans, our plans, and we never include his plans for us. And then he says, instead, this is what you will say. If the Lord wills, we will live, and we will do this or that, or God willing, or Deo volente. So there you go. Sometimes we just want to impose our plans over God's plan. Sounds arrogant, right? Because that's not the way it works. And then James presses the point. He said, but now, wow, you boast in your vain pride. All such boasting is evil. Well, this is a good reminder this virus. May we fully understand this as we make even our exit plans in the next few weeks. Let's include God in our plan. Let's be reminded of Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and the promises He shall direct your path. Oh, we, we need lots of wisdom right after this because life will never be the same. Church will never be the same. That's one. The second one is this. What is God doing? I believe that God is revealing our equality. In the eyes of God, we are all equal. Romans chapter 2, verse 11, for God shows no partiality. Genesis chapter 1, for God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, right? We know that. But in reality, in the eyes of the world, we are all different. The color of our skin the language that we use, the accent that we have, the cultures that we have, the house where you live, the car that you drive, the clothes that you wear, all of this makes a big difference. That is why there are words like discrimination, different. However, in the eyes of this virus, we are just the same. We are just the same. The virus does not respect ethnic boundaries. This virus does not respect the color of your skin. 
or your culture or whatever, where you live. This virus is not even a Chinese virus. This is our virus. This is everybody's virus. And everyone is equal. When you are in the ICU with all the tubes and lying down, whether you're rich or poor, powerful or not, you are equal in front of this virus. And not only that, we are also equal when we lose a loved one. When you lose a loved one to COVID-19, the pain is equal. All of a sudden, you are so weak and without answers. And some people are even buried without names. Some people are just dying alone. And some are dying without the benefit of trying to connect with their loved ones. This is painful. So in other words, in suffering, in pain, in death, we are equal. I remember how they would treat the lepers during the time of Jesus. They will isolate them unclean, unclean. We are almost like the modern lepers. So there you go, the frailty of man, the equality in death and pain. What is God doing? Number three, God is showing us who is in control. We all love to be in control. We love to control one another. The issue now is who is in control. I remember all the way in grade one, I was already taught how to memorize, Oh, Captain, my Captain. And there's a portion there that says, I am the master of my soul. I am the captain of my destiny. Go something like that. No, I'm not. Nobody told me that Jesus is in full control when I was small. So the reality, more than ever before, today we can almost control everything. Yes, we can control almost like everything. Your car, your air conditioning unit over here, all of these gadgets over here. You can send money with a click of your finger. Everything there is just in control. Then the issue of conspiracy and all of that, that these guys over here, whoever they are, are doing all of these things to be in control. But perhaps today, this sense of control is already an illusion, a bubble, because this coronavirus has popped it. Revealing the reality that we are not really in control. Look at what everybody's doing. All the isolation and all the prevention because they cannot control. So again, the question is, who is in control? Do we really have the situation under control? I was listening to one doctor from Australia this morning and she said, 
2021, maybe, until we can find a vaccine. But forget about that. What about you? What about us? Are you in control? Look at all the disinfectants that you have already in your home. I'm sure by now you have different styles of masks and whatever you call that, all kinds of chemicals and concoction just to lower the risk of being infected. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this, but the question again is, are we in control of the situation? Hardly. Let me just read who is in control. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. He, Jesus, is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Meaning all the microns and the neutrons and the protons and the bacteria and all the virus are moving according to His plans and purposes. Looks like chaos. From our perspective, yes. But from God's perspective, everything is moving according to His plan. Nothing is out of control. Psalm 22, 28, For the kingdom is the Lord's and He rules over the nations. Whatever these evil people are doing, if ever that is true, nothing happens apart from God's perfect plan. First Chronicles 29.12, Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. He has the power. Proverbs 21.1, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of God. He turns it wherever he wishes. Jeremiah 9, 23. Then let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord. So maybe it's good at this time to turn over the control of your life to Jesus. He is the only one who is in full control. Number four, what is God doing? God is showing us a picture. Like I said, for the first time, people are so scared, they will almost do anything to protect themselves. There is fear all over the place. What is happening here? Let me go back from the very beginning. The origin of this global devastation and the mystery. Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 19, you will find there the entrance of sin in the world. And since that time, there's been a series of devastation of evil and disaster and disease and calamities and tsunami, and now we have the virus. The Bible does not see these things, this brokenness, as something, okay, natural. No, it's not. The Bible describes this as the judgment of God on a world soaked 
in sin. Now, let me read how the Apostle Paul would describe the effects of God's judgment on the world because of sin. I want you to follow me now. Romans chapter 8, 20 to 22. The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Big words. Futility, bondage, corruption, groaning. What is Paul saying? The Apostle Paul is saying all of this devastation is owing to the judgment of God. You got it? Owing to the judgment of God. It says, the creation was subjected to futility because of Him who subjected it in hope. So clear, it was not Satan, it was not Adam who subjected it. It was God Himself who subjected it into bondage. And that's clear. God Himself, because of sin, subjected it into bondage. Now, when you listen to that, it seems like a hopeless case. So what is going to happen? No. Because in verse 21, he continues and gives us the hope. There is that freedom of the glory of the children of God someday. In other words, while he subjected it into futility, into bondage, into corruption, into pain and misery, there is a day coming when Jesus comes again. His own people will be set free. So in the meantime, okay, in the meantime... Because He has subjected this world into misery and pain and suffering, you and I, even as God's children, we will suffer the effects of the judgment. We will experience physical death because of God's judgment in the fall. Christians can die of accident. Christians can die of this coronavirus. But the big difference is this. For you and for those who have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, this experience of this corruption is not condemnation. Okay? Because the Bible is very clear, Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whatever that we are going through in the form of pain and suffering and you're part of the disaster here. It is not a form of punishment. Again, it is not a form of punishment. It is not punitive. It is purifying. It is corrective. And for some, it could be a form of discipline. Okay? Now, I want to bring the focus now. The question again. Why did God, okay, bring this physical judgment that we are seeing today? Death, tsunami, disaster, Yolanda, you name it. Why did God bring those physical judgments on a world 
for a moral evil. Okay? Adam and Eve, they defied God. Their hearts so proud, they turned against God. They wanted independence. They chose independence. And it was a moral evil. It was sin that started in the soul, not in the body. But the response of God to this moral and spiritual evil, in all of His wisdom, He subjected the physical world to futility, to bondage, to decay, to death, to disaster, to pain, to misery, to this coronavirus. Why? Why? In other words, sa ilonggo, tanip, papayaan mo lang ng physical world, you know? The source of evil came from the soul. It was a spiritual and moral evil. Why would you subject the physical world? Why? I would like to answer that. And this is just my own, my suggestion. You don't have to agree with me, okay? As you look at all of this pain and suffering, this coronavirus, this tsunami, these diseases, why did God subject this physical world into all of these things? You know why? I believe God did it so that the world, so that you and I can have a very, very clear picture of how ugly, disgusting, revolting sin is in the presence of God. The Almighty, the Holy One, the Majestic One, the Faithful One, our Savior. In other words, hear me out. All of this pain and sufferings are simply like signposts. These are dramas pointing to this rebellion against God. Why this crisis? Why Corona virus? I believe in all of His wisdom. It needs to be this way. Why? Since the fall of man, even if you look at the present condition of man, man is so blinded by sin. Man can no longer see, man can no longer feel how repugnant, how disgusting, and ugly sin is against a holy God. Hardly anyone now feels the horror of loving worldly treasures more than God. Hardly. Hardly anyone would lose sleep because of his open rebellion against God. 
You know what they say? A man no longer knows how to blush. Lanayan. Man no longer knows how to grieve over what he does again. I mean, the Lord. So I say this, okay? All of this physical pain is simply God's trumpet to tell all of us that there is something wrong with the world. Diseases, calamities, tsunamis, earthquake, disaster, coronavirus are simply pictures in the physical realm of what sin is in the spiritual realm. These are simply previews, okay? If you want to watch a movie, you want to watch a preview. I guess you can call these previews of what sin deserves someday. Sin will receive its judgment someday. And so we are just having a preview of how ugly that can be. Sin will be judged a thousand times over. Therefore, all of these calamities are simply a picture of what is going to come. Therefore, these are all warnings. These are all wake-up calls from God. So our prayers, not only as a nation, but as a church and individually, that we pray that all can see and feel how ugly, how repugnant, how disgusting, how offensive sin is and how we treat our Lord and Savior, the Majestic One. How we give Him less and less attention in our hearts. More than we give attention to how we give attention to the lifestyle that we have. Therefore, we need to see this, we need to feel this, or we will not turn to Jesus and run away from the ugliness of sin. If man cannot see this, it will not be because God has not provided pictures. He has. Now, in this crisis, He is giving us a picture. He is just turning on the heat. Therefore, I beg of you, I say to all of us here, God is shouting mercifully to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. This is sin in the presence of God. This virus is dangerous. This virus is lethal. But sin is far, far more dangerous and lethal than this virus. It can send you to everlasting hell. I know this is a difficult thing. But my prayer for all of us is this. Even 
Peter would say, you know, judgment begin in the household of God. But that judgment would be purifying. I told you that. It's not punitive. It's not punishment. This is corrective. So what do I say? How do I end this? This coronavirus is never clear and just a simple punishment on any person. Because a most spirit-filled Christian can die of this virus. It doesn't mean that it's because of his sin, no. You know, like Job, he was a righteous man, but he also suffered. But whatever it is, my call to all of us is this. It's for us. You. Every one of us should search our hearts. Listen to the Lord. Really. And look at the kind of lives that we have. In whatever form that you are going through, pain, suffering. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Never mind about the other people. What about you? Let me end with I know, like I said, these are not easy answers. So you, you may not agree with me, but that's okay. I would like to end on how Jesus would respond to a disaster in Luke chapter 13. Remember? Verses 1 to 5. It says here, There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, and he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Pilate slaughtered them in the temple. And then there was this accident. The tower fell and 18 people died. Wow. One incident was a, a human, it's just, just simply a human wickedness. The other one was, of course, an accident. And so here comes the crowd, maybe just like us. And they said, Lord, what's the meaning of this? Was this a specific judgment on specific sin? Tell us. And so Jesus, his answer was so amazing. He, he tries to draw meaning from these disasters. And he wants it to relate to everyone. Not just to the ones who are Okay? And Jesus said, no, no. In both cases, no. Those who were murdered by Pilate, and those who were crushed by the tower, they were no worse sinners than you. Wow. I mean, that was a shocking moment. As if they were saying, let's talk about them. Let's not talk about us. How come you included us here? That's the beauty of Jesus. He wanted them to know that these disasters here they were not meant for those victims. It's about you. This disaster is not about them. It's about you. 
In other words, the message here is, unless you repent, unless you repent, you will perish. That's what he said twice. So what was Jesus doing here? He was actually trying to redirect the attention of the people. And this is what he was saying. What you ought to be astonished is that you were not the ones who were murdered and crushed. Forget about them. It's not about them. It's about you. And if you don't repent yourselves, you will also meet a judgment like that someday. So if you ask me, what is God doing in this coronavirus? Simple message. This is my grace and mercy to you. We are all sinners. We are all bound for destruction and disasters. If ever we will survive this virus, it's only by the grace of God. And so the Lord is shouting, repent. Let's not talk about other people. Let's not talk about the dead ones. Let's not talk about the statistics. Let's talk about you. This is the most important thing. What happened to them is about you. The issue here is not them. The issue here now is you. For me, that's the message of God. All these things that he is trying to allow is to get our attention and say, another chance. Repent. The kind of repentance that he is looking for. We all know the meaning of repentance, a change of mind, a change of heart. This time, not just a superficial repentance, a deep transformation that will now perceive and put who Jesus really is in our hearts, in our home, in our churches. The call is repentance. Let me pray for all of us. Lord God, this is your loudest call. It's mercy, it's grace. It is for all of us. All of us. Father, mother, children, pastors, leaders, businessman, housewife. This is a call for all of us, millennials. Listen, this is for you. This is a call for repentance. You still have enough time for the remaining two weeks, I believe. This is your time with God. Let me pray. Father, We heard you. We pray for that grace, dear God. 
for the change of heart and mind. Lord, I pray be in every home now. Lord, you are there in every home. You have something to tell each one. May we all come out of this firmly resolved this time to love you as our Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. In Jesus' name we pray.